0: Hello and welcome to today's MTV podcast. Um, this is the first one I've hosted actually for a while. And I'm quite excited to uh, to do so. I feel privileged actually with a guest that we're going to be um, welcoming on today's show because it's Kazra Miraki. Um, we've spoken with him on a couple of occasions before. In fact, I did a a live feed with uh, Kazra going back uh, well, it must have been about four or five months ago now, when we were in the uh, in the depths of lockdown here in the UK. It looks like. We're kind of almost heading back that way as well, which is, is a real shame. Hopefully, that won't be the course of events in the coming weeks. Um, but Kazra is a, uh, a machine tool consultant. He works with machine users around Europe in assisting them in uh, selecting the correct machine for the right application. Um, so Kasra is going to be joining us uh, shortly. Uh, Kasra, uh, hello and, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, hi, Paul. It's, it's good, very good, nice good to to hear you.
0: Yeah, good to uh, hear from you and good for you to be on today. Thanks for coming on. I'm also with Gio here uh, in the studio. Um, Giovanni, who's obviously a, a big fan of Casras as well. I know there's been a previous podcast, which you can actually go to our um, channels and find where um, this couple have actually uh, discussed machine tool applications in the past,
2: I believe, Gio, haven't yeah, you? Absolutely. Hi, Casra, Hi, Paul. Thanks for, for having me on this podcast. Really looking forward to it. Good, good. Now,
0: um, the theme of today's podcast is quite an interesting one, and it's something that actually, um, and I often talk about reminiscing about machines I've sold in the past uh, in my history of selling machine tools, but I have been involved in selling the types of machines that we're talking about. We're going to be talking about big milling machines, very big milling machines, um, portal machines, gantry machines. um, But really, the real thrust of this is to is to it is for if you're listening for users to make sure that they select the correct machine for the correct application when it comes to a big milling machine. Um so firstly Kazra, I think we'll 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 start with you on this. Maybe you could give us maybe a very quick overview of your experience in this area and how important it is to make sure you, you do pick the
1: right machine. Um sure Paul um so I started uh working in machine tools business. Um uh, I think it's been about 10 years, and uh, I started in uh, manufacturing machines. And uh, also um, our company, uh, we have been involved uh, with a few uh, designing and making uh, gigantic, actually, portal-emitting machines. Uh, So uh, I think uh, this is a crucial thing that you mentioned, that uh, people – uh, when they want to purchase a new machine, uh, they should definitely and absolutely be sure uh, which kind of machine is uh, the best option for them. Because there, are, uh, when, when we are talking about big machines, there are quite a few options in the market and uh, it's absolutely, absolutely essential that uh, people completely understand the replication and uh, the kind of machine that is needed for them
0: yeah I mean we, we, we talk about milling machines here but of course a, a lot of what we're going to talk about today also incorporates turning as well because you know these machines have become very much multitaskers um, in year, you know in, in, in recent years uh, we're going to be talking about small size portals we're going to be talking about medium-sized portal machines, large portal machines also the, uh, the, the the kinematics the heads on the machines um, and getting a real, idea of where the right machine is for the right style of application. We'll also be talking about some of the brands um, that are available in these in these uh, differing categories. Uh, now let's let's maybe start with the smaller machines Kara because uh, you've listed here so we've got some notes we're talking about uh, you divide the machines into three groups the small sizes such as maybe a Hermley, a Hedelius, Uh, at DMG Mori, maybe you could give us an idea of what you class as a small portal machine. Uh,
1: Absolutely, yep. Uh, So normally when I want to categorize uh, portal machines, uh, I I divide them in three different uh, groups. So for small sizes, as you mentioned, uh, we have machines that are mostly used in uh, automotive industries or aerospace industries and uh they're processing uh materials uh, such as titanium or aluminium sometimes also hardened steel uh, but these machines are roughly uh between uh, uh a working i'm talking about a working envelope, envelope about 500 meters to at the most uh 500 millimeters to at most one meter cube so um uh, these are categorized in the smaller types of portal machines, and uh, they are super fast. They are uh, mostly uh, with the table-table kinematics. So you have a uh, three-axis gantry uh, working on the top of a two-axis turinian table. And uh, well, these machines, I mean, uh, the best ones, that you mentioned, uh, in the market are such as Hermelay, or Edel, or Hedilius. Uh, which are mostly German brands and uh, they are used in many, many different applications. Uh, but uh, I think the biggest sector is uh, aerospace for them.
0: Okay, let me just ask you a question. I, I know Gio's got plenty that I'm sure he wants to chip in with as well here. Often quite a, a common question to ask is, what's the difference between a portal, a gantry and a bridge-type milling machine? Could you maybe summarize?
1: Mm, yeah, sure. So basically, we are talking about the same thing, uh, but uh, different companies uh, refer to them a little bit differently. For uh, portal and gantry, are basically the same thing, but the bridge type uh, is normally when the, uh, the the bridge is fixed and the table is moving underneath so you have two axes on the bridge uh, you have the z-axis and the y-axis and sometimes even the bridge itself goes up and down and you have uh, another additional axis called w-axis normally and then the x-axis goes underneath uh, the bridge uh, so it would be a fixed bridge and uh, or fixed gantry and for normally, for portal machines, we are talking about uh, the moving gantry. So all the axes are on the gantry. So you have X, Y and Z all uh, moving on the gantry. And uh, if there is a table involved, then that would be underneath the gantry. Or sometimes it has a, uh, it has a head. So it would be uh, one or two axes on the head and one or two axes on the table.
0: I, I don't want to go too much off off topic, really. But when I listen to that, one of the things I think is if that if that table's moving, that um, that that takes a lot of force to move a to move a bed like that. You, surely you're better off with a fixed bed, aren't you? And and all the work being done on the gantry.
1: Well, uh, it's a tough call, uh, but it used to be in the past. Uh, yeah, so in the past, most of the machines, the gantry machines, were using a. Uh, and uh, a moving table and uh, uh in the, they were assuming that it is uh, it has more rigidity uh but uh in the recent years uh it needs a lot of uh, as you you mentioned a lot of force and then of course the the work piece is on the t- table itself so um it, it is uh quite a huge amount of mass uh, moving all the time and uh, these days we are focusing on machines that are working faster so um instead of uh having bigger tools that they can uh grab bigger bytes from the uh, from the workpiece we try to go much faster and uh that would also uh, help with the tool life and it would increase it uh enormously so um as you said and uh, a lighter gantry these days is more appreciated
2: so uh kasra great to talk to you again um, so with your role as as a consultant um, in this kind of area um, you know we always talk about application specific requirements at mtd and 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 that goes um, Across all kind of machines, really, but even more so in these type of machines that we're discussing today in this podcast. Starting with the the small size portals, you you, you mention um, they lend themselves specifically or, or predominantly to to aerospace. Why why is this?
1: Well, uh, you have to work uh, look at the the part geo that they they are they are used to 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 cut. Uh, so normally. Uh, for aerospace you have uh, for example uh, different kinds of uh, jet engine parts that needs to be machined precisely and uh, when we are talking about uh, jet engine parts or all different kinds of parts that are used in airplane or for example satellite housings they are roughly uh, not very gigantic not very big so normally they are uh they can be fit in a in a 1 meter envelope and uh that that's why these companies such as Hemley are mostly focused uh in these kind of machines or also another uh good Italian company called Breton uh so these are mostly focused in these uh kinds of machines and uh they've actually uh done a very good job because they are specialized in uh in uh small size gantries
0: just out of interest as well, uh, Caswell, what, what's the, um, we look at your, we're talking specifically really here about the builds of these machines and making sure you select the right one for the right part. 100% get all that. Where in your opinion though, does the CAD CAM element come into this? Because we look at some of these machines and the agility of them and some of the parts you're talking about the aerospace sector with the the blade machining. Um, it's important to have the right machine, of course, with this, with this construction but the the software that's going to be driving these machines around has to be its optimum um skill set as well doesn't it in order to maybe reduce some of those wear elements that you might get on a machine by improving the, the the profile of the machining or the path that the machining takes is that quite important in this in in the strategy of selection as well
1: absolutely yeah so uh well there are, there are not many uh software developers out there in the market so basically we got we've, we've got siemens and autodesk and uh, SolidCam and uh, just a few softwares but uh, it is uh, very important that uh, the programmer is completely uh, expert uh, in what he's doing so there are different kinds of strategies and different kinds of approaches and he needs a lot of experience in machining and also in programming to be able to use the uh, the most efficient uh, strategy uh, to machine a part.
2: So, Kasra, you go and visit a customer that's making an aerospace component. How do you determine, what questions do you ask to determine the best machine tool for his application?
1: Well, uh, basically, we start uh, normally with the part that they are doing right now, or they are planning to to machine in the in the future. So uh, the, uh, there are various different factors that needs to, uh, needed to be considered. For example, one of them is the material of the machine, and the other part, uh, the other factor is uh, the number of pieces that they want to produce. So uh, with the, uh, with these two in mind. Uh, then we will look at uh, the speeds of the machine that is needed for uh, manufacturing or the number of the machines that are needed. And then you need to, uh, when you, are, uh, you have a conclusion about all the technicals, then you have, uh, you have to also add the financial uh, points of view uh, to see which kind of uh, machine from which vendor um, is fitted for this, uh, this uh, specific customer.
0: I want to, coming up as well, I should mention that we're going to be talking about more medium sized portals shortly and large sized portals and the combination of using five axis heads on these machines as well as the turning elements. So lots to come in this podcast. Um, just coming I, I can't help but go and keep going into this one, Caswell, because I'm really interested in your, your opinion on this. You're talking about very high end machines here. You've mentioned the brands. Um, I've you know sold some of them and, spit and spoken to companies that use them but there is this argument that keeps cropping up in our industry about actually investing in potentially a lower cost machine with slightly less technology in the hardware but investing more in the software in the tooling in the work holding and all of the accessory elements to get and achieve the same result for less money do you think, is that possible? Or is that just someone that sells lower-cost machines wanting to, uh, to find a way of selling them?
1: Well, mm, definitely it is. But uh, you have to be very careful when you're looking at lower-cost machines. Uh, actually, uh, I have a customer in the UK uh, who has been using uh, a well, very well-known American machine tool, uh, a five axis machine uh, and they had maybe five or six of them and uh, uh when once he asked me that uh how often do i need to change the spindles on a machine and i i i didn't even uh comprehend this this question i said spindles and he said yeah we roughly change two spindles per machine every year wow,
0: uh, yeah
1: so these machines are working 24 7 five axes and they normally change uh, a trunnion table every two years and two spindles per year so wow. uh, when you when you're looking at these numbers uh, then you see that there's absolutely something wrong with this business model uh, so so these these are the things that we have to be very careful when we are uh, going to invest uh, on a machine tool and However, that takes us back to the
2: beginning, really, application specific, then particular machine tools would have been perfect for a different application and, and most probably being used for the wrong application.
1: Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So so this, uh, this customer replaced all those five machines with just one machine that we suggested and it's been working again 24/7 with the same yield so the number of the production is the same so just one machine replaced five machines and uh, the spindle of this uh, machine tool uh, manufacturer is guaranteed for 10 years 24/7 working uh, okay let's
0: let's get into the nitty-gritty then in a bit more detail because this is a topic that's really close to to my heart and something we do um, regularly discuss while out with machine tool manufacturers and distributors what are the elements of, of a machine that you believe uh, make, make a, a low-cost machine different to one that maybe is going to do what you're suggesting uh, last the test of time? There's one area that, that, that one machine tool manufacturer mentions to us. It's about how they stack all the axes in order to make sure that the, um, the vibration's dampened out, but also to make sure there's less stress and less wear on the moving parts. is it, Would you agree with that firstly? And what other areas do you think are important in, in building a machine that's gonna last?
1: Well, uh, this is actually uh, an amazing subject That uh, because I come from a machine manufacturing background and, and I've been dealing this uh, for like 10 years. I've been uh, in the same, uh, I've been facing the same problems every day. Uh, well, for example, when you look at uh, some designs, uh, for example, from Hermle, they're absolutely brilliant. And uh, you can compare it to a normal machine manufacturer and you see the amount of uh, linear guideways, the amount of uh, blocks or carriages and the the mass of the machine, the weight of the machine. They're all the same. But uh, there are only a few touches and a few details different in these two machines. So they are both these two manufacturers are spending the same amount of money to to uh, to manufacture these machines. But uh, because of those excellent designs, one uh, would be Hermley and the other one would be a very uh, uh, low end. Uh, a machine that you can find it everywhere and it, it loses value, it lose, uh, lost, loses its value in maybe like less than two or three years.
2: Cashra, just before Paul's Paul got his next question, but isn't there an argument to say if you buy a machine that has got longevity for 10 years, that maybe even in just five years' time, technology moves on? And in 10 years' time, that machine is going to be completely out of date and, and out of sync in regards to, to new technologies that have emerged.
1: Well, uh, that's also a true true statement. But uh, in in machining industry, uh, so far, I haven't seen big changes in a short uh, amount of time. So you can see, for example, uh, let's talk about controllers. So we have uh, the latest model of Heidenhain, which is TNC640. And it's, it has been around for like, uh, I think, um, 15 years now. And of course, it has some updates and a better screen also, uh, maybe higher speeds. But in general, when you're comparing uh, a machine, uh, for example, from T.M.G. Mori uh, from eight years ago, And the machine from today, maybe it's like 20% more efficient. So it's not a very big uh, gap between a 10-year-old machine and uh, a brand new machine. Of course, it is going to lose its um, accuracy and it's going to lose some some new software features that that they are not supported anymore. But uh, in general, a good machine tool, uh, life expectancy is between 10 to 15 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to move on to medium-sized portals now, um, Kazura, and uh, a lot of the topics that we're discussing apply across the board of these machines. So we'll we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep you on your toes throughout, I promise. Um, but uh, some fascinating answers so far. So uh, yes, yeah, so medium-sized portals. Then this is when we move into the next dimension, really. What what do you class as a medium-sized machine in in its axis stroke and movement?
1: Well uh for a medium sized portal I normally uh, talk about space uh between columns uh or uh the 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 uh the columns that uh, the gantry uh is on them so normally uh starts from 2 meters wide and uh the length of course can be uh, uh different so it can be 2 or 3 meters up to 30 meters so uh, but normally, the, the key factor is uh, the width of the machine, which uh, starts from uh, roughly two meters, uh, and it goes up to maybe three and a half meters. And there are uh, so many machine manufacturers in that area. Uh, I would like to name some of them, like uh, Zimmermann in, in Germany, or SHW also in Germany. And uh, DMG Mori also has a very good uh, line of, as they call it, XXL machines uh, that they produce uh, these medium sized portals and we have uh, some Spanish manufacturers in that area such as Zaya and Correa and Luce, and uh, of course there are uh, very good Italian brands such as uh, FIDIA, Breton uh, FPT and Parpus
0: Uh, We've actually been to a couple of the factories of the um, machines you mentioned FPT and Correa and DMG Mori, and um, we've been uh, privileged to actually visit their factories and see the machines being built. There's a lot of the things we spoke about on the small portals, build, uh, quality, construction, and um, speed, they, they all apply across the board. But one that I think becomes more important the bigger the machines you get um, is how you maintain accuracy over uh, bigger distances. Now, out of interest, um, I'd be, again, intrigued to, to know how you think machine tool builders achieve this and and what's the best way to do it but there's one particular brand here Gruppo, Gruppo Parpus where I remember doing going to a company that had one of these machines and it was a it was a in fact it was probably a large size portal but they had one of these things I think it was called like an air curtain or something in the in the sides of the machines which kept the area of the machine cool, which meant that there was minimal growth, which meant that if even if you had one of these big dies that was two meters by three meters from corner to corner, you, you were guaranteed certain accuracies. Is this an important factor as, as uh, the bigger the machine gets?
1: Absolutely. I think this is the biggest challenge that you mentioned, Paul. So uh, once uh, we designed the gantry, um, it was about eight meters long, the gantry itself and uh we uh, we calculated the growth of the machine during day and night it it was roughly about uh point five millimeters and uh the allowance uh, uh the clearance that we had was um, in in the blocks of the uh, linear guideways i mean it was something um, maybe less than uh zero one millimeters something like that so we had uh, 50 times uh, uh, m- m- more uh, movement of the gantry itself during day and night. So this is a, a crucial uh, challenge that we need to face. So normally these uh, these machines are always cooled or stabilized uh, in a temperature, in a certain temperature uh, by using uh, coolant. Uh, running all uh, through all the the different uh, parts of the machine and tries to keep it at the same temperature at, uh, at all times and this also it is more uh, noticeable when the machine is is working so all the the heat that the the, the motors the servos uh, also the the cutting is is producing can uh, cause to expansion of the different parts of the machine so it's it's very challenging actually when uh, as uh, when the machine gets bigger and bigger this challenge becomes more uh, noticeable
0: what's the most accurate machine you've you've worked on or with over a, uh, you know a, a, a big working envelope
1: well uh there are two two machine manufacturers which are absolutely excellent Uh, One is Waldrich Coburg in in Germany and the other one is Pietro Carnaghi in Italy. So uh, they are uh, mostly categorized in the large size portals. Uh, So we are talking about maybe 500 tons of table load and maybe 14 meters between columns. But these machines are uh, in a a short and small uh, size working Um, They can provide maybe uh, five microns of accuracy, which is absolutely brilliant for that uh, kind of size of the machine. Of of course, they don't use linear guideways. They are all using hydrostatics. Uh, But for that kind of uh, gigantic machines, uh, this uh, this accuracy of uh, five or six microns is absolutely amazing.
2: So, Casro, with such a large range in in the medium-sized portals and for you to kind of pick a machine tool specific for an application, what differences, big differences, are there between these different machine tools which will um, govern your selection process, apart from the accuracy, maybe? Right. You know, yeah. obviously, you just mentioned accuracy. Yeah. Is it speed, programming? Well, um,
1: uh... Normally, it's good now that uh, most of these machine manufacturers are using uh, same kind of controllers. So, for example, if you're going uh, for a 5XS machine, they are mostly offered in either Heidenhain or Siemens. Uh, so in terms of controls, uh, you don't uh, have many other options. Sometimes for Okuma, uh, you might get uh, Fanuc, but normally it's Siemens or Heidenhain. Uh, is that? Right, huh? No,
2: no. Why is why is the the programming selection oh, right. reduced when you go into the, the 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 larger size machines? Is 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 there any reason for uh,
1: that? Not really, but uh, because these two companies, I mean Siemens and Heidenhain, they are more, uh, mostly uh, uh, experts, considered experts in this this area. Uh, that's why they are uh, chosen uh, more. I mean, uh, there's Fidia, of course, that they produce their own controllers, which is absolutely good. And uh, I've been using it maybe uh, from 15 years ago. Uh, but uh, in general, this is, uh, people always go for Heidenhain and Siemens.
0: What about the new FANUC Control? Yes,
1: yeah, th- 31, you yeah. mean?
0: Uh, I'm not sure which models, but I know one of the, um, I know I've, we've been looking at a few machines recently that are yeah. incorporating. Mind you, we're talking
1: about a different machine type. Yeah, infant. to be honest, yeah. I haven't seen Fanuc controls on many portals. Uh, normally, it's either Siemens if they want a, a lot. If the machine has a lot of axes or additional axes, uh, they always go for Siemens because uh, Fanuc doesn't support that many axes. Uh, I think on the 31, we can. Uh, connect maybe 24 axes, which is six axes simultaneous, but on Siemens, we can uh, connect up to 96 axes.
0: Wow, okay, so but before we move on to the large size portals, and I know, again, as I say, some of these topics um, cover all of these machines, but the, the, the sort of applications that fit into the medium size then, Casper. Um, we, we mentioned aerospace in the small size portals, the medical sector, maybe.
1: Where, what fits in, in amongst on these machines? Well, for medium-sized portals, uh, normally my customers are working in the automotive industry, because they are very useful for making dies and also uh, um, in in industries such as uh, uh, when they want to produce uh, big molds for uh, different kinds of uh, different parts of um, automobiles. Uh, I think. Uh, the portals, uh, the medium-sized portals, are mostly used in automotive industry.
2: No, that's 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 really interesting, really, Kasra. And and going back to my previous question, then, Kazra, the, the the programming seems to be around the capabilities, really. You know, the programming language seems to be t- determined by the capabilities of the machine tools with the the, the different axes that they're looking to to run. So. Picking or choosing the right machine tool for the application, what kind of USPs do these different machine tool providers have um, that you would kind of select one rather than another?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a very good question. So, for example, some of these, uh, when we are talking about a 5-axis machine, some of these manufacturers, uh, because a, a, a very uh, important part in a 5-axis machine is the milling head. So some of these manufacturers, they produce their own milling heads, such as Siemens and uh, Ophidia. And some others, they try to buy milling heads from uh, some companies that are uh, very well known to just uh, producing milling heads. Of course, uh, that makes a a little bit difference because um, a company that is dedicated to manufacture milling heads and spindles uh, is more capable in building a better head and the head uh, the milling head is is the heart of the five axis machine so it has to be absolutely well designed for example there's a uh, a german company called uh, uh, if i can find the, their name and uh, there's a there's an italian company called techni which they produce uh, milling heads and most of the uh, Taiwanese companies and Chaiwan- uh, Chinese companies—they are using uh, Techni milling heads, uh, even though Chinese and tai- especially Chinese are uh, mostly well known for producing cost-effective machines and low-cost machines. But they are buying the head uh, from Italian com- from an Italian company uh, because it is uh, such an important uh, part of the machine.
0: I mean, there is so many aspects to it, isn't there, Kazra? You, you know, I, I hear the things you're saying. We talk about accuracy, the spindle, the build. Often people talk about the weight of the machine. And then you think, well, you know, what, there are so many factors in, in in how you select. And that comes across very clearly in, in what you're saying. I want to move on to the large size portals now. Um, some of the brands you've already mentioned, Waldridge, uh, Coburg. I've actually used one of those machines when I came out of my apprenticeship. And in fact, it's interesting that you mention about them being one of the companies that produces a top quality product. Um, I can only uh, but agree with that because I used one of these machines, and it must have been twenty to thirty years old when I used it. And we still used to use it to uh, for for line boring. We used to use it for some of the most high-toleranced machining on um, engine casings and things like that. And it used to hold tolerance. Um, never hardly ever broke down um so and i'm sure you'll give us some of the reasons behind that maybe but we talk about unisign soralusi fpt Pietro carnegie as you've mentioned palmer i've used a palmer as well yeah shw akuma uh, Ingersoll, dmg mori droop and ryan the list seems to get longer um as we go up in size is what what is there a reason for that, or is that just we've missed brands off of the smaller ones, or are we just looking at the quality machines? But the the further, the bigger the machines, the more quality machines there
1: are. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe I didn't put many names in the medium size. Right. I think. <laughs> okay. But uh, I'm absolutely sure that I've listed all the uh, large size manufacturers. Uh, I don't think that uh, maybe I. I I didn't mention a couple but uh, I, I've mentioned definitely uh, most of them so uh, in in large size machines we have uh, very very good options uh, to go for when we are talking about a very very gigantic ones there are only two options that would be Waldrich koburg and uh, in um, and Pietro Carnaghi and maybe uh, after that insebarti so these two Three vendors, the first one is German, the second uh, and third one are Italian. So these three are, mm, I mean, they are are making uh, enormous machines. We are talking about, uh, as I mentioned, maybe 14 meters or mm, 12 meters uh, distance between columns and uh, maybe 30 to 40 meters uh, uh, length of the machine. And they always have a moving bridge. Uh, on the gantry so uh, for example you have six meters uh, stroke for the bridge and then a couple meters uh, on the z-axis ram itself so it would be maybe eight meters of uh, total uh, stroke in the z-axis so these machines are enormous and you can uh, put a work piece maybe up to 500 tons on a on a very big pietro karnagi and uh, a, Pietro Carnaghi's are normally turning and milling machines. And also the same thing for Waldrich Coburg. And these machines are uh, so accurate that you can also uh, do some uh, grinding uh, processes after machining. Uh, So uh, after these machines, we move on to uh, a little bit smaller ones, such as Parma or SHW or Ingersoll, Soraluce. And again, FPT has a line for um, large large portals. And I've actually been to, for example, a few of these machine manufacturers. In Palma, uh, there are Pietro Carnagis that are producing Palma machines. So you can imagine that uh, those gigantic machines are uh, being machined in a Pietro Carnaghi.
2: I mean, Casra, I mean, for me personally, these machines are, are a engineering masterpiece because they don't come in one piece, do they, Casro? You know, to give our listeners some kind of idea of how these they machines... They to be built in Europe as well. It's, it's amazing, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I went to one installation when I was back in the day selling workholding up in, in Newcastle, an, an aerospace company where they had to dig out um, the foundations where this machine had to, to go into um, and to have that kind of accuracy over that distance, but the, the pieces in which they, it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together, but then the flatness and the parallelism of the machine bed for where the bridge runs over it is it's a feat in itself putting that machine tool together um can you kind of give the listeners a bit of an indication to what it entails to put a machine tool like that together and the kind of the process involved
1: well um Well, I have a good example for that because uh, one of the biggest portals that I make, I was the chief designer of a project uh, and it was, I think, 18 meters uh, uh, by six meters and the the Z-axis was about two and a half meters a stroke. And I think uh, it took about uh, 14 months from us to design this machine and uh, maybe uh, a year and a half to, to manufacture it. And uh, there are absolutely so many uh, parameters that need needs to be considered, such as uh, Uh, even logistics how to move these machines uh, how to move the parts i mean and how to assemble them you need a lot of different kinds of sensors a lot of different uh, of measurement tools calibration tools and uh, of course uh, i mentioned uh, the the thermal uh, conductivity which can cause expansion so uh, you need to uh, co- uh, stabilize the temperature of the, the the place that are you assembling the machine. So there are so many parameters that uh, needs to be considered while uh, even uh, putting the the uh, the work pieces on a bigger machine to machine them. So uh, there are. Can lots you say
0: of- what machine was that you 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 were involved in?
1: Yes, okay, so- yes, I was involved in a in a project. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What, what what was the machine um, brand though? What was it? The, the uh...
1: Uh, it was our own uh, uh, company back in Iran. Zero uh, One CNC was uh, the name of our company.
0: Okay. And what what was the um what was the machine actually making? Uh,
1: well, this was uh mostly for uh, oil and gas industry. So it was manufacturing big, very big valves and machining uh, big valves. Yep. Okay.
2: Okay no um, I, I think that it kind of you've you really kind of set the scene there in regards to kind of illustrating what it actually entails it's not like just buying a standalone machine with a few bits it, it, it takes it to a completely different playing field and not like I mentioned it's it's it, it's the work involved you know one and a half year project to, to actually even just get the machine installed is just it is phenomenal really isn't it i mean
0: the you one one brand that's not mentioned here in the large size but is in the medium size and i and i do think fits into the large size as well is the coria um there is some coria machines that i've seen and one point um that they try to put across um as a as a as a very strong reason of their machines machining capability which is what this all boils down to at the end of the day isn't it the ability to machine Um, reliably accurately but over you know long periods of time is the box construction in their in their ram um, and how they keep it cool as well Uh, that's one of the areas that they see as quite significant in the head technology which kind of leads us on to really the 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 the, the kind of next and, and possibly final topic for this um podcast the the rams the heads the changing of the heads how you maintain um, positional accuracy when you're indexing the head. These are all, these have to be, in my opinion, these are as important as anything else on the machine, aren't they?
1: Absolutely, yeah. For example, there's a company uh, called Unisign in the Netherlands and another one in, uh, in Spain called Bose. These two produce hexagon-type ramps uh, because I believe that uh, it actually helps the rigidity of the ramp because we are talking about maybe 2 meters stroke of the ramp which is maybe is uh uh 400 by 400 millimeters uh, the size of the ramp or maybe 500 by 500 and it needs to transfer uh, the power for the spindle sometimes on Pietro Carnaghi machines it can be up to 10000 newton meters of power uh, the machine that we built was uh, 2200 newton meters uh, of spindle power which is absolutely uh, enormous so uh, this this design of the ram is very important and uh, that's why i've mentioned that it is really crucial that we completely understand the application that uh, the user is uh, uh needs the machine for because uh, these it's, these different really machines, uh, uh, they're completely, uh, of course, um, in, in the big picture, they're all the same. But when you go into the details, they are, uh, each one of them is uh, good for one application.
0: The, the, the hexagon um, you're talking about there, I actually saw this for the first time on a, um, I think it was on a DMG machine on one of their uh, very small, what we would class here as a small uh, portal. And I looked at it and I thought, hexagon. How you? And then I kind of un- I can understand the mechanics of it. And I look at it and go, yeah, I can see why they've done that because you've got more mating surfaces rather than just four. it. It just seems a, a much more stable way of, uh, of, you know, keeping things in alignment. Really.
1: Definitely. And uh, when you think about that, they need to make that ram uh the hexagon ramp uh completely uh, uh grinded uh, in a perfect way because all these uh, six or eight surfaces are in contact with the hydrostatic guide uh, guideway which is very very hard to produce i've never done uh, a portal machine on with hydrostatic but i've been to some companies and uh, just to look at the way that they're producing these hydrostatic guideways is absolutely mind blowing.
2: Catherine, like the, it is mind blowing what we're talking about now and the design and the application and 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 making it a reality really. When you're talking about these Rams, what's the longest the ram can stick out?
1: Well, the biggest ones uh, that I've seen is two point five meters, so two and a half meters. I think that would be the limit of the ram, and the ram itself the, uh, it would be maybe six hundred by six hundred box and two and a half meter sticking out. But that's of course for a uh, for a uh, a vertical ram. For a horizontal ram, it would be much uh, much smaller, maybe one and a half meter, one point eight meters, something like that.
2: And when the ram is sticking out to its full length, what kind of inertia? issues would you incur or are they completely alleviated by this hexagon design
1: well uh, of course it uh, when you're sticking the ram that much out um, some uh, some things like chatter uh, they're likely to to happen and that's why uh, these machines are using a a moving bridge so that can support the ram for example uh, when you are you want to uh, uh stick out the ramp uh further on and uh the the workpiece is not very hollow uh, so you you try to lower down the bridge and uh, keep the ramp supported by the by the y-axis as much as you can but there are some some part some parts that you uh that you need to uh, because the bridge of course is, is very big and uh, you want to access a very hollow area Uh, in a very deep groove or something, and then you need to stick out the ramp. Uh, But then, of course, you can't machine that uh, with the the highest force of, uh, as I mentioned, like 10,000 newton meters or something. So uh, that would cause a lot of chattering and also uh, maybe the tool will will be damaged. So uh, these machines, they have sensors to detect uh, the amount of chatter and uh, of course, with jerk control on the controllers it can manage to compensate that that things that are, that are happening. But some companies such as Soroluuche, they have added uh, uh, a new vibration electro mechanical vibration uh, device on the RAM. and when it starts to chatter, uh, it all uh, automatically uh, detects that vibration frequency. And uh, that vibration electromechanical device uh, generates uh, a reverse wave uh, on the RAM to uh, remove this kind of chattering.
0: I mean, it's always a a point in life throughout that you're only as good as your weakest link. With a lot of these machines using um, not just tool-changing technology, but head-changing technology, is it... um, you know if, if you're making the strongest and the most stable construction yet you're trying to then change the heads on the ram is that not a point of sort of contention that you you may be bringing into the um machining process some weaknesses or did, how is that addressed
1: well um there are always some challenges uh, for example because these machines are multi-purpose machines you are we are talking about uh, millions of euros of course so uh, for example uh, when you are investing on a machine uh, with maybe ten meters between columns, uh, so you uh, you are, uh, you are thinking to uh, machine everything that comes through the doors of your uh, your workshop or your your your, your company. So uh, it, this machine needs to uh, uh, be able to do some turning, uh, vertical turning, and also. Milling, three-axis milling, horizontal milling, uh, also vertical milling, and five-axis capability af- as well. So when we are talking about uh, different heads, of course there there needs to be uh, some heads dedicated uh, only for turning applications, and for turning uh, the forces that are applied to the to the to the ram is much more uh, much higher than the forces, for example, that are uh, uh, applied to the RAM when you are using uh, a milling tool or a 5-axis uh, head. So these all needs to be considered when designing these machines.
0: Okay, now we're going to move on to our, our final um, point now for this podcast, um, Kazra, about the integration of turning into some of these machines. Um, you mentioned a particular brand, Asquith. Butler, which I know you wanted to um, talk about, one of the only manufacturers that machines, a specific machine, which I'm sure you'll tell us all about. Um, But it is commonplace these days to be able to have a machine and then have this turning function within it. I mean, it's so handy, and that's um, probably an underestimation as a a, a use of a word, but to be able to have that turning ability in a big uh, portal machine because it means you don't have to transfer the part to a big horizontal lathe or a vertical lathe you know there's less work in progress it's all done on one machine um is there any disadvantage to that other than the obvious one i suppose which would be cost because they must be expensive these machines
1: absolutely um so of course there would be disadvantages uh, as you mentioned when you when when we are uh, talking about a machine that is dedicated for for one purpose only that would be for example a vertical lathe that machine is designed uh to to handle all the tools for for turning only and also the 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 machine table uh it normally doesn't need to be very accurate in terms of positioning so uh but but on a milling machine on a portal milling machine we need uh, we need a table to be Uh, as fast as a lathe and also as accurate as a milling machine. So uh, these two normally uh, cannot be mixed together. We can somehow compromise these two together. For example, we can say uh, a vertical lathe can rotate maybe uh, roughly uh, for a uh, four or five meter diameter uh, table can be maybe two, three hundred RPMs. And uh, the same thing. On a, on a portal milling machine uh, maybe can be 150 rpms so we are losing maybe like uh, 20 or 30 percent speed on the rotation of the table but this table is uh, also capable of uh, very accurate position positioning because we need that uh, uh, that thing to uh, to be able to mill uh, our parts afterwards
2: well i suppose that when, when you're talking about machines of this size the table doesn't need to spin at the same rotational speed as when you're doing uh, smaller components so so that does make sense um Kaso, I just want to touch on one last subject really and um, the kinematics uh, on these machines and the different types of kinematics for different types of applications um you mentioned a few can you? Tell our audience what this means and, and, and how it affects the application.
1: Absolutely. So uh, it all depends on the workpiece si- work size. So, for example, if the workpiece is, is roughly small, relatively small, uh, we normally try to put that on a rotating table. But uh, when the workpiece work starts to uh, getting bigger, then we try to fix it on the table and then move the, the head around it. So uh, when we are talking about a 5-axis machine, if uh, uh, if it fits in the small size category that we mentioned, most of those machines are uh, table-table machines. So you have a trunnion table underneath the gantry, so you can put the workpiece on the table and it can uh, do all the rotating and uh, all the different angles that you need to access with the uh, with the spindle but then when the machine uh, when the the workpiece starts to grow then we will move to different kinds of kinematics uh, such as head table and head head there would be the the two or three uh, two axes on the head and then maybe another additional axis uh, at table uh, underneath the gantry
0: it's a that's a really good, um, probably a great way to end this because it just shows that your knowledge in how you uh how you select a machine in accordance with the application. Which, really, hopefully, for those that have listened, that's what we've we've spoken a lot about in today's show. Um, but in addition to that, we've obviously covered a lot of the machine technologies, we've even spoken about a lot of the brands that are that are falling under the umbrellas of these portal machines. It is a topic that really you know, we, we could talk for hours on this. Um, uh, but I'm sure the people that uh, you know, are walking their dogs at the moment are almost <laughs> home, so they, prob- they probably need to uh, cut us off. So I'm, uh, we're going to wrap this podcast up now, um, Kazra. I, I just want to say thank you very much for being part of this today. Um, you're a, a, a very skilled individual. You've got a lot of good um, – uh, we've spoken to a lot of people that have used you in the past, and I think we're, we're reaching out to engineers out there if you are looking for someone to – um, talk to you and guide you in your machine tool selection purchase, then Kazma uh, Miraki is definitely an option and you can find details of him. Um, we'll make sure we put them on wherever we put this podcast so you'll be able to contact him. Um, there is an interesting feature coming up in our magazine in January, um, I believe Kazra, which is going to be focusing in on a lot of what what we talked about today is that is that right
1: yeah uh definitely on the january issue i've been uh, i think uh, there will be a paper about also portal milling machines so that would be uh, an interesting subject for your readers i believe i hope
0: so if you'd rather read than listen to to us uh, then there is that opportunity as well and i'm sure there'll be some golden nuggets in in that article as well um Kazra, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been a uh, a great podcast, Gio. Thank you for uh, uh, coming along as well. I think it's been a a thoroughly engaging session, uh, hence the reason it's gone on uh, a little longer than most of our podcasts, but uh, certainly the place to learn um, with gentlemen like Kazra. Uh, Thanks for joining us. That's it for today's MTD podcast.
2: Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on
1: mtdcnc.com.